Everybody and their mama, and even their mama's dog, sings riffs and runs, but you can't do them. The voice just seems stiff, or there's too many fast notes, and frankly, you don't even know where to start. And of course, there's that nagging voice in the back of your head that says, you stink at singing because you don't know how to do them. Woe is you. But what if I told you it doesn't even matter? Hi, I'm your host, Monique B. Thomas, and welcome to the Monique on the Mic podcast. This is episode number five, and I'll be talking about what to do if you can't do riffs and runs. Disclaimer. This is not an episode on how to learn riffs and runs. Perhaps I'll talk about that another time. This is about why it doesn't really matter. Let's go. Okay, so in order to understand my take on this, I've got to explain to you what exactly riffs and runs are. I also want to talk about singers, great singers, performers, who never used riffs and runs. Why shock value does not make high art. And finally, what to do if you really still want to learn how to do them. When it comes to riffs and runs, a lot of people use these terms interchangeably. But as I'm a pedagogue, I like clarity, and so I'm going to give a definition to riffs and runs. So, riffs are a series of fast notes, usually like three to six, approximately, huh? Nobody's counting. But a a small amount of notes that run really fast And they usually embellish a phrase, they accentuate a phrase, right? Now, a lot of people use more riffs than they would use runs, and you'll understand why. Runs usually have 10 or more notes, extremely fast, extremely clean, but they tend to take on more of a climatic role in a song. So in other words, these are in big parts of the song, the most important parts of the song if you're doing them correctly, in my opinion. Another way of looking at it is that runs are really just a series of riffs. So you might have, you know, group one is like six notes and group two is four notes and group three is five notes. And you put them all together and that gives you a long, big run. But being able to do riffs and runs is simply a skill. And it's actually a skill that's optional. See, there are other skills in singing that aren't optional. For example, having good vocal technique that allows you to sing with a stable vibrato, uh, getting through your bridges evenly, properly, having control over volume throughout your range, being able to sing low, mid, and high. These are all skills that are not optional if you want to function well as a singer and you want to kill it. But singing riffs and runs, they're an added bonus if you decide to use them. So here we have this optional skill that so many singers focus on as if it were the be-all, end-all, as if, if I can't do that, my career is over, or I won't even have a career. But let's think of it as um, maybe moonwalking, okay? If you're a dancer, being able to moonwalk, that could be really cool. But I think it would suffice to say that if you couldn't moonwalk and you were a really great dancer, you'd probably still have a career. Does this kind of make sense to you? The other thing that I want to mention is that most people separate the ability to do this skill from the ability to discern when to use it. And so, you know, if you have this skill and you don't know where to use it, you might as well not have it. While today's pop music tends to be sort of a, um, I'll have to say it the way I feel it, a watered-down version of R&B, 
And from R&B and from gospel, we get most of our riffs and runs authentically. Um, the watered-down version that we get with today's pop has a lot of riffs and runs in it. And so pop, meaning popular, means that that's what we're hearing all the time. But the truth is, not all styles of music require riffs and runs. In fact, it's not appropriate everywhere. So if you sing styles of music that don't require it, then, again, you can sort of let yourself off the hook there. But let's even go further. There are singers that never use them. Great singers like Shaka Khan, uh, like Luther Vandross, Barbara Streisand, Tina Turner, Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, Frank Sinatra. The list is very long of great singers who've built wonderful careers off of so many other skills that they have, but Riffs and Runs wasn't one of them. Now, to be fair, some people actually just do riffs because they, um, they sort of add to a phrase. You know, it might just be an embellishment, but it's not their signature sound or their signature style, if you will. And keep in mind that most concert goers don't go to a concert thinking, oh, I'm waiting to hear what kinds of riffs and runs they do this night. Or I hope they're going to have really great riffs and runs. Most concert goers come to a concert because they want to have an experience. They want to forget their problems. They want to laugh. They want to cry. They want to be changed. And we can do that without riffs and runs. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not completely out of the loop. I know that there are people that really, really love riffs and runs and who are actually going to go to a Beyonce concert and wonder what kinds of riffs and runs uh, she's going to do. But that's simply because she's built her career on that kind of vocalism. She is in a class by herself in that way. And there are a few heavy hitters that do that. But that's kind of a special thing that is not across the board the norm. I mean, if you think about it, would you really pay for a concert with nothing but riffs and runs? If that's all the person did and didn't use any other skill in their singing, would you be satisfied with that? Would you feel like they told you a story? Would you feel like they shared something about themselves with you? Or would you feel like it's just kind of, you know, me, 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 show-offy? And I understand. We have moments in concerts where it is like, look what I can do. But that's never the whole concert. That's not how we connect with artists. We connect with artists who show something um, authentic about themselves. You know, we get to peek into who they are through some of the other skills that they use, like storytelling. I think one of the major problems we're seeing today is that As listeners, we tend to consume a lot of music in short form. So what we find on TikTok and Reels and YouTube Shorts, we're used to listening to sound bites. And so because it's a sound bite that is competing for your attention with other sound bites, it's like, how much can I put in that 30-second sound bite so that you'll watch it and then you'll rewatch it and then you'll like and you'll share and you'll follow me? But that's not music. That is shock value. That is, you know, I'm taking your attention and I'm going to make you go down that rabbit hole that we all have gotten pulled into. But that's not how you build a career singing. You know, there are actually very few YouTube stars who, you know, who've made a killing on those platforms that actually have a singing career. And that is because 
having a singing career requires a lot more skill, many skills, in fact, than just shock value or just riffs and runs, right? The truth is, outside of these short-form videos, too many riffs and runs are going to ruin a melodic line. It's going to ruin the line. It's also going to ruin the text. You probably won't hear the words because you're too busy, you know, choking on all the, the notes that you have to digest. You know, it's kind of like an abuse of power. It's the same thing if, let's say, somebody has these extremely great high notes or low notes, whatever, you pick one. If that's all they did, you'd eventually tune out, of course, unless it's a 30-second soundbite. And that's all there is to offer, and you're, you know, you'll bite, you'll take it. It's just like a sugar shot, you know? You just took some sort of sugar hit, and now you're excited for about, you know, a few minutes. It's kind of like, you know, the cake and the cherries. The, the good music is a culmination of a lot of different skill, and then you put a cherry on top of that cake that's already delicious, and so that's your climaxes, that's your runs. And you've got a few sprinkles here and there of riffs to give it a little bit more color, just a pop of flavor, but that's it. You can also think of it as being, you know, magical, like fairy dust or something like that. But if all you do is sprinkle fairy dust, that's just going to kill it. So it's like too much magic kills the magic. But let's talk about an artist that we know and love who uses riffs and runs a lot. Who was actually known for that? Let's talk about Stevie Wonder for a second. So, you know, Stevie uh, grew up, little Stevie, singing and had a very intricate style of singing. And so he influenced many, many, many singers after him. But that's not the only reason we love Stevie. We love Stevie because he plays several instruments. We love Stevie also because he's an incredible songwriter and he has a sensibility you know, we also love Stevie because he has a way of writing texts that reflects the problems of the day. So Stevie is not a one-trick wonder with just riffs and runs. Stevie is a whole package of a collection of skills that we love that then adds to this bigger thing. That's high art. So it's not that I'm trying to deter you from doing something that's really important to you. In fact, I absolutely enjoy singing riffs and runs in a certain way. Um, but you've got to understand that riffs and runs are simply one skill that make up a part of singing. In fact, it's an optional skill, right? Just because you sing riffs and runs really, really well doesn't guarantee that you're going to be a great singer. So let's put things in their place. Now, if you still want to do riffs and runs, I get it. It's important to you. Then you know what? You should do riffs and runs. You should honor your inner artist by doing the thing that your artist wants to do. And I've got something for you. Last year, almost a year ago, I put out my Ultimate Riffs and Runs course, and I decided to redo the whole thing for Christmas. On Christmas Day, my new course is coming out, but it's on sale now. If you buy in now, you'll get it at a discounted rate, and you're going to get a one-month free subscription to my Riffs and Runs community. Inside the community, you're going to meet other singers who are absolutely obsessed with learning Riffs and Runs to give you a boost so you won't feel so alone going through the program. And now once a month, I'm going to do a live Zoom call and we can work on some Riffs and Runs together. I can help you troubleshoot and we can talk about the different challenges that we have learning Riffs and Runs. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I can guarantee you, if you do the work, you will get better 
at Riffs and Runs. I'll give you all the information on how to get the program in my podcast blog notes on my website at www.moniquebthomas.com slash podcasts. That's moniquebthomas.com slash podcasts. Let me leave you with my final thoughts for this episode. I think that based on viral material, we tend to focus on just one aspect of singing as if that's the coolest thing. And we tend to forget that there are a lot of other things that go into singing and being a great artist that can stand the test of time. So I challenge you to develop all areas of your artistry. Don't just develop loud, you know, big notes or low notes or high notes or any one thing on its own. Develop them all. You've got to have beautiful tone. You have to have control and freedom in your voice. Develop everything. All right. Well, that's it for today. Remember... Don't be a one-trick pony. Musically, Monique.